listening to The Slip with Brandon Bear. Welcome to The Slip. I am the host, Brandon Baird. You can follow me on Twitter at Bairdian underscore slip. You can email the show at theslipatl at gmail.com. Please send me your listener questions or just any comments or suggestions. This is a interactive show and I love to have it that way. But today we have a big, big show. We have our 2020 Braves baseball review and I have the guest host that I promised last week Ennis Coble. Ennis, how you doing today? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Man, I'm pretty good. Um, when we did this um, a few years back, man, you were so great. I knew I had to bring you back. But can can you tell them a little bit of why you're qualified and why you're so good at this stuff? <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm uh, entirely qualified, but did a did an internship with the Red Sox back in 2014. Uh, worked with Major League Baseball just for a little bit. I uh, did a little in 2017 so you know i, I kind of know what i'm talking about play for a little bit uh know what i like and just kind of I, I try to speak from the heart i guess and, and that that's all we need here and and i mean if you're able to do those things then i'm sure today is going to be a great show It'd be a great show anyway um but we got a lot to get into today um we're going to get into a little bit of the prospect talk on um, some people that we want to look out for um, we're going to get into the 26-man projections. Yes, 26, not 25. There was a rule change. We're also going to get into the overall team projections. Um, we're going to get into a little bit of the Astros as well. I know I talked about it last year, last week, but it has had some good thoughts on that as well. But first, let me tell you what I'm slipping on. And this is what I'm slipping on. I'm slipping on the third base battle. Um, it really is, to me, it seems like no one is showing that they want the job. And we're talking about Austin Riley or Johan Camargo. And is, what is your take on on this third base battle that the Braves are in? Yeah, unfortunately, from where I am up in, uh, up in D.C., I haven't been able to watch as many of the, of the spring games as I wanted to. So I think you're a little more plugged in. I can just kind of talk overall from like a team perspective. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see Austin Riley there and Camargo coming in off the bench as a platoon guy. Um, uh-huh. I mean we'll see if, if, if it's looking like I think Johan got a um, got a home run the other day, but then again, I don't need Johan being the Josh Donaldson guy. I think that's one thing that hurt him last year, um, as well as being on that Jeff Francoeur diet. I mean, honestly, he came into camp about twenty to twenty-five pounds more than what he was last year, and his swing just looked off. What did you see out of his swing last year that you hope gets corrected this year? Yeah, I mean, the, the swing looked a little, it looked a little stiff. I, I think the big thing for me, too, is the pitch recognition wasn't really there last year. I mean, it, it kind of looked like he was a little 
confused about what guys were throwing. I mean, I, I saw him swinging at, at pitches in the dirt that he didn't really swing at back in, uh, back in 2018 uh, when he put together a pretty good, pretty good year at the plate. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a, if it's a pitch recognition thing. I don't know if it's swing mechanics. Um, and, you know, early on in the spring, too, I mean, the, the pitching was almost always ahead of the hitting at this point in time. So I, I, I wouldn't be too worried about the averages, but you do want to see guys start to put together better at-bats, especially within at-bats. The later we get in the spring, if these uh-huh. guys still aren't doing that, that, that could be a problem. Yeah, um, it, and it is a little bit um, forward of me to be so critical. Um, you know, they they each have three starts um, so far this spring, and what um, what manager um, Brian Snicker wanted to do was not have one guy sub in the other, but they want each one to have this start. Um, and so they're going back and forth, and it looks like, you know, from this is testing out like a true platoon of these things. Um, but, and it's early, but it's worrisome, you know, I, I just, I just want to see some life. I want to be, cause right now I'm nervous cause I'm not sure how the Braves will do. Um, I would like to see Austin Riley win the job because I think if Austin Riley is able to be out Johan Camargo, the team is better overall than if Camargo wins out. I agree. I, I agree 100%. I, th- I think Camargo coming off the bench with Austin Riley able to solidify a spot at third, I think that is a better Braves team than the other way around, where you mm-hmm. have Austin Riley platooning at third and maybe in left just to kind of get the bat there. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think it's a better Braves team that Riley can play every day. Yeah. And honestly, the best case scenario is that both of them show out and then you're you're wondering, do you need to start Johan at third and put Austin in left in left or right field, and and have Ozuna be a possible corner? And that that is a that is a problem that you want to have. But but let's talk about worst case scenario. If neither Austin Rilo, Riley or Johan Camargo, um, if neither of them produced. Do you see the Braves having a successful season? Honestly, I don't. I don't think so. I I, I really don't think so. I I mean, you you can't have, especially at third base, you can't really afford to have an, an underproducing bat, right? Mm-hmm. And we've got we still have guys like I mean, Culberson. No telling whether or not he makes the roster opening day, but mm-hmm. we still have. We have Culberson there, uh, Hector Berea, who can who can come up with tone, um, play a little bit of third, but I mean those are those are platoon guys. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like you 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 want a guy who, and, and I think Wiley could be that guy, but you want a guy who's going to, I mean, maybe get you close to what Donaldson gave you last year, right? Twenty five home runs, something like that. But if you if you can just plug a guy in and have him do that. No. That's, that's scary. I mean, if, if neither if, if Austin Riley go to Camargo, and Camargo, I don't think, can give you the 25 bombs. You know, but mm-hmm. if neither one of them is going to well, be consistent that, Camargo, be a very successful break. Camargo did get 19 home runs in 2018, and he was starting for maybe three quarters of the year around there. So, like, I wouldn't say 25 is out of the realm of possibility. 
I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, and I, I'm I'm going to be completely honest. I am also a little bit biased of Johan Camargo, and I'm a little bit against him because I'm against anybody that does not get a hit in the postseason over a, a four-game divisional series. Not one hit. And so, like, yeah. you know, like, you do that, I'm, I'm going to be look, I'm gonna look at you funny. I, I really am. I, 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 think, I think for good reason, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the playoffs are when the lights are brightest, and if you can't perform there, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The, the regular season doesn't matter nearly as much as the postseason. I'm, I'm waiting on that, dude. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. Um, and continuing through this worst-case scenario, um, they're – um, do seem to be some backup options that are there. And Jeff Schultz um, of The Athletic has said a few things that um, both Arenado and Bryant are still available for the Braves to trade. Um, do you think uh, those are viable options if Riley or Camargo cannot produce? And do you see them worth it? I, uh, I think both are probably viable options. I mean, I think my... I think I would prefer Bryant, and I, mm-hmm. I'll get into to why. I mean, Arenado, what, a couple couple years back, signed that eight-year, $260, million, $300 million contract. I mean, so he's still under contract with the, with the Rockies right now. Um, a trade to get him would involve selling the farm. And, you know, we've got guys like Pache, Langlers, um, mm-hmm. who else is down there? Drew, Drew Waters, I mean, no telling what, what that prospect package, package is going to look like. And you get the guy who's producing, and I, and I think you're not a, a great hitter. I, I, think, I think this man will produce pretty much anywhere, but I think everybody kind of agrees that those numbers in Colorado are maybe a little bit inflated. Once you get them into a place where the, the air is not as bad, you know, yeah. does he hit the, the 40 plus home runs? And, you know, does he have the, does he have the same average? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a little worried about that with, with Brian. I mean, I think Brian's under control with the with the Cubs for one more year. I think he lost his uh, lost his appeal. Yeah, lost uh, the arbitration. I, I, I don't know. If, uh, I'm sure your listeners know, but he basically was trying to make the argument that he should should be a free agent this year, and that the that the Cubs intentionally kind of suppressed his playing time, his disservice time, so that. He is basically a seventh-year player. He's a seventh-year pro, but service time is, right. is six years. Um, I'm not doing the best job. Yeah, no, no. I I think you you explained it um absolutely well because it's actually the same thing that the Braves did with Acuna. Now the only thing with Acuna, we signed him to a long um to a long deal that takes up all his um his early years, his arbitration years, and then a couple of his free agent years. Yep. So, yep, you know, we're not in that situation, but the Braves did the same thing. You're right. No, you're, you're exactly right. And and kind of going back to, to Brian, I mean, if we trade for him now, he's basically a rental. Yeah. And that's not worth it. But I think the thing that kind of excites me about Brian a little bit is he might be a cheaper option. I think he's definitely a cheaper option, one. And two, he's a free agent at the end of this year, so the Braves can definitely be in the running to, I mean, yeah, you're going to have to throw out a little bit of money, but there are ways that you can kind of work a contract so that Brian's happy and the Braves get an upgrade mm-hmm. at, at third base. And, I mean, maybe 
Lowry moves to the outfield. You know, mm-hmm. who, like who knows what ends up happening there, yeah. kind of depending on on what's going on. But I, I think I think Bryant's a, a really good option. Yeah. And that's one thing that Alex Anthopoulos has really done really well. Who, uh, of course, that's the Braves GM, and I think he was promoted to presidential of baseball, president of baseball operations recently. Um, which, I mean, same job. He's doing the same job, but just a different title. Um, but there is so much flexibility what the Braves can do, and they're not blocking any of the prospects. Um, and however, I think that there are a few prospects that if that's who you need to give up for Arenado or or Bryant, that's not the trade that I want to make. Um, and we're going to get into that next um, because when we come back, we're going to talk about some of those prospects to look out for. And we're going to kind of talk about a little bit about who do you not want to see go because their potential may be that much and it's not worth that rental. Um, so we'll be back with the slip with Brandon Baird. Guest host, Ennis Coble. This is The Slip with Brandon Baird. Welcome back to The Slip. I'm the host, Brandon Baird. You can follow me on Twitter at Baird underscore slip. Um, I got guest host, Ennis Coble, with me. Um, Now we're going to talk about the uh, prospect list of the Braves. Um, I know I have a few people that... um, that I, I'm looking out for. Who are you looking out for um, out of these prospects this upcoming year? Oof. I mean, I think the easy, the easy one is, is Christian Tashin, right? I mean, yeah. he's an outfielder. He's young. Uh, he's, I mean, he's supposed to be able to stick in center at the major league level, which is, that, that's saying a lot, especially for a young guy. Uh, top end speed, the bats there. I'm uh, I'm really really excited about uh really really excited about that guy. Uh, another guy was doing a little research when you when you asked me to to be on being, uh, and I was uh, looking at Drew Waters too. So I was oh yeah. Uh, big like like lanky dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think he probably has some some room to kind of fill out, grow a little bit. But I, I'm kind of excited about him too. Uh, and then, and then some of the arms, right? I, I think uh, Kyle Wright is still on Fangraphs, and for any of you listeners, Fangraphs has a hundred uh, pound prospect list out on their blog. It's uh, it's great. I think uh, Eric Longenhagen uh, is the guy who who put it out. Uh-huh. Great list. He kind of goes he goes into a breakdown of it. Uh, you guys should check it out. Um, but Kyle Wright is still is still on that list, even though he pitched in the major leagues last year. Uh, he's an arm that we should look out for. Um, William Contreras, who we were just talking about uh, over the break, yeah. but he's on the uh, he's on the forty man with the with the invite to, to spring training. And, definitely, uh, he, he's down there. He, he's another guy. Yeah, he's definitely uh, a guy that has um, a little more cachet right now than even Alex Jackson. Um, he's a guy that people are pretty excited for um, and can do some things and can definitely can be, make it um, a little bit interesting. When you look at some of the the catches that we drafted last year, um, and him continuing to grow, um, but you know, Pache and Waters, they're talking about that. Those two and Acuna could be our outfield for a long, long time in the future. 
Um, do you think you would give up any one of those for an Arenado or a Bryant? thing I'm thinking about as well is that I don't know if Arenado is worth it because um, we'd be taking on so much money which could hinder us in the future um, of just in case we need to bring in somebody um, but also like we don't know he could opt out in a year um, and it's very similar to Bryant it's um I I don't think um, giving up Pache is worth that worth that risk um, a little bit of his risk and a little bit is kind of potential, which, you know, potential is just short for you, you haven't done anything. But, you know, when you're thinking about that, that risk um, is not worth um, giving up that potential. Um, and that's the main thing that I'm worried about. Um, and if you're talking about people who are untouchable, even though um, AA has not said or has said that no one's untouchable, that's just absolutely not true. Um, there are definitely people in every single system and every single league that is untouchable. And I would consider Pache and Waters two untouchable people because their potential is that great. Yeah, yeah, I'm with it. Hey, I'm going to play host real quick for a second. Okay. Who are you excited, who are you excited for? Oh, man, um, I got two people I think I'm excited for. And thanks for asking this, because I'm not even sure I would have gotten to it. Um, Shane Langliers, who is the catcher that we got last year in the draft, who just dropped a bomb, an absolute bomb in spring training the other day. And then you got Bryce Ball, um, who is an outfielder. Um, I also, oh, I think he's a first base prospect. Um, I think he's in high A this year. But I even think he dropped a bomb in spring training. They've been... Um, out of all the people that um, they've been talking about um, at spring training, even though it's been in like um, batting cage sessions, Bryce Ball has stood out to so many people. And um, although, you know, jokingly, because I know David O'Brien is not a person that's afforded DH in the NL, he's like, man, maybe the Braves should hope for that if Bryce Ball continues to grow like this and we still have Freeman under contract. Like, 
with those two people, with Langliers, Contreras, Bryce Ball, and of course Freeman holding that um, Bryce Ball up, that is a lot of power and a lot of potential for the future that is like, oh my goodness. If all of those things are able to come together, the Braves are going to turn into one of those teams, um, quite frankly, like the Dodgers, who always seem to have a all-star in their prospect system. Um, someone who is like, goodness, who are they going to bring up this year that's just going to drop bombs and be like, is this the next superstar for, for, for the MLB? And that's the potential that I'm seeing from those people. Um, are there anybody that you're looking out for other other than those uh, two? Yeah, other, other than, than Pat Shea, I mean, I, I know, like, you're, you're a little a little more plugged in than, than I am to, to the Braves farm system. But other than Pat Shea and, and Waters, there, there's not too many other guys I'm looking out for. I mean, I, I pulled up some video of, of Langley's just to kind of mm-hmm. see this guy. I saw, saw some of his Baylor video. Um, and, whew, so, I mean, at, at least in at least in college, I mean, the, the guy has a really balanced swing. Uh, it's pretty short and compact. I mean, there's, yeah. there's some power in there. And you know, I, I, I saw some of his receiving skills, and he looks like a pretty good receiver. Like when I yeah. play, mm-hmm. if the guy can swing it a, a little bit, I mean, that's that's kind of scary. Yeah, they they say so, that he is a plus plus defender behind the plate. But can you tell us a little bit about why? Um, his swing can translate to the big league level. Yeah, at least from, from what I saw, I mean, it's it, it's pretty quiet. He's got a he's got a really a really good bat. It's pretty pretty wide. There's not a lot of movement, and he's pretty direct to the ball. Uh, there, there, there's not a ton of inefficiency in the swing, um, and he looks like he gets you know pretty good follow through. Um, I mean, those kinds of things. If you can be efficient, short to short to the baseball, and generate a ton of power by not moving so much, I mean, you, you can you'll be able to, to hit ninety seven. I mean, that's what that's what these guys are throwing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you have these starters who are who are out there and they'll throw you know five five innings, but then you have bullpen arms who are coming in. It seems like everybody's throwing ninety four, ninety five plus. Um, so if you can, uh, I mean, if you, if you can just be if you can just be compact, which it seems like Langlers, Langlers is, I mean, that, I, I think that'll translate. And I just, uh, I just pulled up uh, some Bryce Ball video. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like, uh, I think, I think you're right about the, uh, right about the power. I, I, I see it. It's, it's, it stands out. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and you know, that, that's why people have been so high on the brave system is because it's like, it always seems that, um, you know, these people are looking really good and it's not just false stuff. Um, it's not just people who have done well in high school or have done well in college. And they're like, this guy could be good. These are people who have shown some stuff in, in a ball, which is, you know, some of the best baseball um, out there other than the major leagues, um, that in double A. So, you know, you see them doing well on that and they're, they're showing that they have that talent at that level. It, it really does projects well for the big league level. And, and it makes me really excited about it. Um, but on the other hand, 
there's there's some people that I'm not excited about, you know, some prospects or former prospects that it's like, you know, time is ticking for them. Um, and I think we were on the same page with these things. What are those prospects or former prospects that the time is ticking on? that he has it's still good like really really good and that that's been that i know that was his calling card when he was rising through the ranks um and being one of those top prospects in the system because of that curveball but it seems like when he's been on the major league level whether it's been starting or out of the bullpen it seems to be up and down up and down it's just like Give me some consistently consistency. Don't don't keep holding on to me, man. Let me go or hold me close. You know, stop stop teasing me. definitely get in this um when we do our roster projections but goodness gracious i mean um at what point do you say this guy cannot control his his pitches And that's just unacceptable. Yeah, at the, at the major league level, I mean, you can't you, you you can't miss the plate as a as a starter. You can't you can't put three guys on. I mean, it just it, it puts too much pressure on your defense. It's uh, it, it puts a ton of pressure on you. Uh, yeah. And I, I think Newcomb had had a little more success coming out the pen. And I I like him out the pen. I mean, he's another guy with that fastball play, but he's a big dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he's 6'5", 6'6", something like that. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. You know, I mean, he's, he's, he's a big dude. 
know, if, if he doesn't have to say many for later, for, for later in the game, he can just go out there and help him. You know, that fastball can get up there at 95, 96, 97. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's the thing with him is that you see that he's there. Um, but if you're going to a full count every single time you're going against a batter, the batter is going to win more times than not. I mean, that honestly, and I, I, I'm getting a little selfish here. That's how I hit my, my first and only home run in college. It was uh, in that bat where I went 0-2. Um, got it the 3-2. I end up fouling off seven or eight pitches after that point. And then I he throws a fastball. I'm on his fastball like it's like it's batting practice. And I and I and I got it. And I was able to connect with it. And that's exactly what I feel like is happening to Newcomb because they're getting used to his stuff. Even his off speed isn't throwing anybody off. And so they're just teeing up on him because they're seeing so many pitches. And that is just not a way to be successful on the major league level. And I mean, yeah. I'm with you on that, I mean, it's what the more pitches you see within that at bat, the more comfortable you are in that at bat. And, you know, if he's throwing, you know, seven plus, seven plus pitches per at bat, I mean, guys are going to get comfortable. And then mm-hmm. if he's putting guys on yes. and turning the lineup over, I mean, your first time through the lineup, I mean, standing averages, I think, I think in the, the high 100s, low 200s. Mm-hmm. Your second time through the lineup, team's batting averages, the mid 200s, high 200s. Your third time through the lineup, it's like 360. Yep. Something like that. It's like, it, it, it's ridiculous. And if, if Newcomb, especially as a starter, you know, if he's putting guys on, and turn the lineup over. You get to the third time through the lineup in the fourth inning. Not not going to be very successful. Yeah, that that's not a <clears throat> that's not a key to success um, because like at you know after you get into those third people, they're ready to just take you over the fence, and <laughs> and they're doing it. And your you know your average in those spots. Um, will never be good because you're not facing enough people because you're giving up way too many hits and way too many runs. Um, but, you know, let's see if he will actually make the roster. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about next on The Slip. We'll get into our 26-man roster. You're listening to The Slip. We're Brandon Bear, guest host, Ennis Cole. You're listening to The Slip with Brandon Baird. Welcome back to The Slip. I'm the host, Brandon Baird. I got guest host Ennis with me. We are about to get into the 26, yes, 26, not 25-man roster of opening day for these Bravos. Um, Ennis, I think that we have some guaranteed spots that are taken. But the big part is we have at least five spots that need to be taken up especially with the recent news that we heard um, coming out of camp that both Austin Riley and Johan Camargo are not going to make camp, meaning that one of them will make it. But in order for them both to continue to grow and get meaningful at-bats, one of them is going to go to Gwinnett. So that means that 
we have to find another spot that we didn't actually initially think that we would have to do when we were in the pre um, the pre show meeting. Uh, what do you think about that? Man, that is uh, that that is kind of interesting, and I'm 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 not sure exactly who the who that other spot's going to go to. I know you had mentioned you know a guy a guy like Adam Duvall. I mean, he was a big leader. I think before he got to the Braves, was with, was with the Reds had a. Uh, a 30, 40 home run season, maybe. Um, he, he definitely got, got at least one thirty home run season um, in yeah. twenty seventeen, maybe. Yeah, that that sounds that sounds about right. I mean, he he's a guy who who could end up getting that spot. Um, I mean, it'll it'll be kind of interesting to see. I mean, kind of going back, and I know I know we were kind of talking about it earlier, which which guy we thought would uh, would make it out, but. Now with this news that, that one of them is, is not going to make it, I, I it should be interesting to me to see whether or not you know a guy like Austin Riley who might have some some team options still. It, I wouldn't be surprised if you know if, if Riley has some team options, you kind of get him down in Gwinnett, get him swing in the bat, mm-hmm. um, work a couple of things out, and then bring him back up. Right. Uh, if, especially, especially if a guy like Camargo doesn't have the options, you know what I mean. If you're going to have to put him on waivers in order to in order to send him down. But um, but here's the thing: I think both of them have at least two more team options based on <laughs> their growth. Um, last year was the first year that Austin Riley used um, his option was used while being on a twenty the forty man roster, and that was um, at the beginning of the year because he didn't make the opening day roster which everybody expected, right? Um, now, Johan Camargo, one option was used in um, last year as well when he started to struggle. But other than that, he had been on the team um, as a bench player without using any options, which definitely makes for a more interesting spot for not just this year, but next year as that controllable. Um, you know, it reminds me of when... Duvall was sent down to AAA to start last season because, you know, a guy like that, you wouldn't expect him to have any options, um, but he does. So just like, wow, um, yeah. you know, that that team control is something that wasn't expected. So I think both of them do. Otherwise, this, um, you know, otherwise we'd be having a situation where, yes, both of them would be locks. Yeah. craziest part about this is that I'm not sure it's right to say that any guy could rightfully make it out of spring. 
you know, we see people who have great springs and don't do well. And we also see people who have um, bad springs and do great. So it's like, I would, I would even, I thought even if someone won the job and I'm using quotation marks here out of, out of um, camp that at least both of them would come up and there'd still be some sort of a platoon. However, I do see the need that, yeah, get them, get them all at bats, which I, I, I think is reasonable. Just something I did not expect. I guess that's why I'm not a manager yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's hard for those guys making making these kinds of decisions, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's why they get paid good. That's why they get paid the big bucks. Yeah. Um, we just get to we just get to sit and talk about them, but uh, right. <laughs> uh, All right, so let let's um let's actually get a little bit deeper into Duval with this news. So right now we have four people um that are locks to make the opening day roster. Um, Ronald Acuna, Ender NCRT, um, Ozuna, Marcel Ozuna, and Nick Marcakis. Those are the four that we absolutely know. Um, other options would be a Rafael Ortega, which I, I don't see him making the opening day roster. Um, even if it's even if they do plan on him coming up. I I would assume that you'd give that spot to a pitcher just to make sure you have enough pitching not to wear out arms early in the year. Um, but like, do you think this, um, this decision with the third baseman that Duvall is a lock now? And he, he very well might be. Um, I mean, a, another guy that I, that I can think of who isn't on the 49, I think he, he might be a non-roster guy to spring training. Uh, but a guy who's been with the Braves for the last two seasons is Charlie Culberson. Uh-huh. Um, might, might be a, another guy who can, uh, who can make it make it up. Uh, and I know, I mean, you know, he's kind of an, an infielder by, by trade, but plays a little bit of outfield, and that's kind of why I bring, bring him up when we when talk about some of the outfield guys. But, He's another guy who I could see, uh, who I could see getting the call. I mean, he was—he's a big kind of off the bench for us in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of big pinch hit home runs. He comes in and plays serviceable defense, all kind of all over the field. Yeah, um, he, and he's not he's just a, a good guy. Yeah, he's not just a guy that comes off and hit home runs off the bench. He's a guy that is a reliable pinch hitter, just in general, you know. And it's amazing what he did last season while he was healthy. Um, but you know, let, let me harp on Charlie um, real quick. All the positions he's played and actually made an impact. Um, he came in at shortstop uh, one year when Dansby was hurt and was extremely serviceable there. Um, he can play third place, base. He can play second. Um, last year, he made a game-winning play in left field by hosing somebody at home in the bottom of the ninth inning to end the game. And he's also the emergency catcher. Is there any way this guy does not make the roster? Like, I don't want to say he's a a lock because he's not even on a 40 man, but goodness, like, how do you let somebody like that go? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, a a guy who's just kind of, has that has that kind of versatility and that kind of bat. I mean, it uh, it 
In 2017, when he was with the Dodgers, he was big time in the postseason um, for them. I think um, that's when Seager got hurt or some shortstop for them got hurt. I'm not too big on the Dodgers. I, I don't like them enough to look at them. But, you know, that is a guy. Um who I think will definitely make the roster. Now, in terms of the infield, we have the locks as Freeman, Freddie Freeman, of course, Ozzie Albies, Dansby Swanson, and the other infield bench spot that we're thinking of is Adani Arechaferia. And he's a guy that was designated for assignment or waived um, by the Mets. Um, I think he might have been waived. Um, and then the the Braves were lucky enough to pick him up um, and he, when he was still available um, when Dansby Swanson got hurt. And his bat was something that no one expected at the end of the year. And it's something that his bat was so integral with the Braves finishing strong. Um, so, like, yeah. I don't see how that guy isn't going to make the roster either. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, he, I, I think he's a, he's a lock. I, I think I think that guy's a, a lock to make it. I mean, he can he can play multiple infield positions. Mm-hmm. If he if he's swinging the bat, um, you know that that's a plus. But you kind of you kind of need a, a you need a guy like that. I mean, he can he can. Take, he can play shortstop, mm-hmm. dance a little bit, he can play second, he can all these. You can play third. Can, you know, you, you rest one of those guys, whomever it is. Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, this would be another worst-case scenario that I don't think we talked about, but, I mean, if Danny Retoria is swinging a bat well and neither Camargo or Austin Riley is doing too well, I mean, that wouldn't be a terrible option to throw in at third base and just see what he can do as well Um, before you go out and try to spin if you really do try to upgrade that third base spot rather than spinning prospects. I mean, there's options there. So Yeah, no, I I, I think you're – I definitely think you're you're right. Um, I mean, I I, I will say I I think everybody will will tell you – I think over the span of the season, Hetcheveria, at, at least at the plate, is probably an offensive downgrade at their base mm-hmm. over over maybe both Camargo. I mean, Camargo didn't have the best year last year, but over both Camargo and potentially what you could get out of Riley over the mm-hmm. course of the season. Um, but, I mean, it, it's, it's always good to have that kind of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Always, always good. 
agree with you. I think I think that guy, I think Hesperia is definitely a lock. Um, but we have some of the non-roster invitees. I mean, Pete Cosma, he, he's played up there for, uh, shoot, he was with the Cardinals, I think, for a little bit. He's, mm. he's more of a defensive defensive shortstop. Um, but he, he's a guy that we have. John Jervis Solarte, I think, is also a non-roster invitee. Mm. Um, guy who's played a, a little bit, I think, with the Astros, maybe with the Cubs, too. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, that that's another guy who, who I could see uh, maybe getting a chance making the roster. Um, what what and, about uh, what about your boy Peter O'Brien? Um, you said you <laughs> you played against him, right? I I did. I, I played against him uh, my freshman year in college. He would have been. I think that would that would have been his junior year. Mm-hmm. And this guy this guy was a catcher at the then Covenant. Um, and <laughs> quick story about him. He I was, I was playing left field. Uh, the game was we, we might have been up a couple. Or the game was tied. Uh, it, it, it was a it was a pretty close game. It was bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, I don't remember who was on the mound for us, but it was a fastball. This guy hits a boom shot. I turn around, take a couple steps, and then just watch the ball disappear into the night sky. Uh, was hands down the first home run I think I've ever seen live. Uh, this, this man smashed it. Uh, I turn around, he hadn't even making it. He had not even making it out of the box. Oh my god! His, his hands hand were up. Like, I think I saw him throw that. I mean, this was after I watched the ball go into like oblivion. I don't, I don't know where where it went. I, we might have picked the ball up on the way on the way back up to New Hampshire, but uh, like it was. Oh man, that 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 guy can uh, can mash it. Uh, I know he. I think he was with the Diamondbacks the last mm. couple of years. Got got a little. I mean, played a little bit in the big. I think primarily as an outfit. I don't, I don't think he does too much catching. Uh, but I mean, he, he's a guy who can who can swing a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe who knows? Maybe, maybe he's a guy. Uh, Maybe he's a guy who, who makes camp as a as a non-roster invitee, especially. I mean, I, I think you were saying he, he hit a bomb yesterday, right? Yeah, he did. He did hit a bomb. I mean, he's swinging pretty well for for a guy that got invited to camp. And I mean, you've seen these guys come in. Um, I think the last time it happened was um, an Evan Gaddis, but these guys come in, and next thing you know, you're like, uh oh. Um, how do we let this guy go? And yeah. with the roster going to 26 man, it makes it extremely interesting that it makes it extremely interesting that what can they do with that final spot? Like, are they going to give a guy that's having a really good camp that no one see a, a chance? And I think early in a year, that's what you should do. I agree, and and a guy. I mean, I think a guy like like Pete O'Brien's kind of kind of interesting because he he plays outfield, he can swing it, and you know, in, in a pinch, I'm sure he can probably go back down and catch still. Right. You know, so I mean, it, it, you you can never have too many too many catchers on a on a roster. I don't I don't think mm-hmm. there's too many guys who can at least suit up to get back there. Yeah. Um, but you know, if, if a guy like that's running the bat, I mean, that that puts some pressure on on some of the other guys. Like you know, a guy like Duvall, or mm-hmm. I mean, guys that we were talking about earlier, both both Austin Riley and uh, and Camargo. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, it's a little bit of 
And it's it's really going to be interesting, um, you know, to see how they do round that out. Um, I it, it can be interesting because you know it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt to get another catcher in um, because those two catcher spots are with Tyler Flowers and Travis Darno, some guys that you you know if you are in a pinch you would like to hit um, them to be able to hit. Um, and if you know you need a bench, um, you know it's a pinch hit spot. Um, but those two catchers are definitely locked in. Um, but in terms of just general um, position players making the team, do you see any of those prospects that we talked about in the previous segment uh, making the roster, like a Pache or a Waters? No, I, I, I don't think we've seen either, either of those guys. Um, I, don't, I don't think those guys make it out of camp. I, I honestly would be would be surprised if we see either of them uh, this year. I mean, you you run the list with those guys of bringing them up to some. Uh, mm-hmm. And if, if if both these guys are as good as people think, I mean, right? It, kind, kind of like I, I think you were saying earlier. It's I mean, our future outfield could be could be Waters, Pache, and, and Acuna. Mm-hmm. And the 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 one risk you have is bringing a guy up to some. Uh, doesn't make the adjustments, isn't mentally ready for for the major leagues. I mean, it, it's tough, man. Every single day you have you have coaches and players and the people in the front office, and then like it, it, you have a ton of people who are just you know scrutinizing you, mm-hmm. scrutinizing your swing, trying to find the holes, trying to find the flaws. It's it's hard. It's, it's hard to adjust, especially for mm-hmm. a young guy. Uh, so now I don't I don't think we see. I don't. I don't think we see a Drew Waters. I don't think we see a Christian Pache. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think about, about who who else. Um, um, I, don't, I, I don't think we see a, a guy like Bryce Wall. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I don't think we see a lot of William Contreras. So I think is is in camp right now. The, the yeah. Catcher. I, don't, I don't think we see a guy. And on like the forty man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I think we have a definitely a good idea of who's going to come out of camp and position players. So let's get on to the pitchers. Uh, we have three spots that are definitely locked up on opening day with Mike Soroka, um, Mike Fultonewich, and Max Freed. Um, Cole Hamels is going to start the year on the DL. Um, he had some elbow inflammation. Hopefully that gets um, fixed pretty quick. I mean, that's something that you know, pitch older pitchers are, you know, bound to have. So hopefully that's nothing too much of a big deal. But with that said, um, that leaves not one rotation spot, but two rotation spots open. And I think we have four people that um, are vying for that, for that final, those final two rotation spots. And right now we have King Felix Hernandez, uh, Sean Newcomb, Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson. Um, of course, you remember Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson both making an open day roster last year and actually starting the year for both of us or for the Braves. Um, but that's because we had a lot of injury problems to the rotation towards the beginning of the year. So out of those four, who do you see making the making the rotation? Yeah, that's 
that's a that's a good question. I, I wouldn't be surprised if guys like uh, like Felix Hernandez makes it out of camp. I mean, veteran presence really could work well with some of the young guys, especially mm-hmm. with the loss of Cole Hamels. And you know, I mean, Cole Hamels will be around. You know, but uh, just having a guy who's going out there every five days and, and throwing up the mountains, who's done it at such a high level, he was incredible with the Mariners uh, back in back in the day. I mean, he, he was just mm-hmm. fun to watch. Um, but I, I, I think he probably he probably gets a shot. And then and then a guy like Kyle Wright, I mean, had mm-hmm. had some big league success. Um, had some big league success. I, I, I think. You know, we'll we'll see whether or not he's able to to be consistent, a little more consistent this year. But I kind of liked what I saw last year. I mean, he um, he was sent down to uh, AAA after coming up and kind of struggling a little bit. Um, you know, getting in long counts, not really going deep in games. But I mean, the way he ended AAA last year was something to be happy about, and it's he is in that top 100 um, MLB prospects that we were talking about. Um, in the earlier segment, and he even threw today against the uh, Boston Red Sox, and through two innings had four strikeouts. Um, and this is when the starters were still in the game. And of course, it's spring training; not all the starters, but it doesn't matter what setting you're playing in. Two innings with four strikeouts is is pretty damn impressive. And the I guess the big part about this is that leaves Sean Newcomb to doing what? spot to a position player um the Braves could have a pretty stacked uh bullpen so they signed Will Smith um the closer that was out of um where was he last year I can't remember he wasn't in uh he wasn't in San Francisco yeah he actually was um and so um, we have him. We have Mark Malonson, who was a closer this year. And what they're saying right now, Malonson is still the closer. Um, they're looking for Will Smith to actually take over that spot. Um, but we have him um, who has closer. We have Shane Green coming back. We have Chris Martin. Darren O'Day, who ended the, the season really well. And then um, former closer, and I hope never to be closer again, Luke Jackson. I don't see him not making the roster. Um, but I think if he's in a spot in the sixth inning, I think he's great. Yes. No, I, I'm with you. I mean, just putting, 
if you need to tell me a team's going to have a back end of a, of a bullpen with a guy like potentially, I mean, Will Smith and Mark Lanson closing. And Mark Lanson still throws that really heavy fastball. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that thing just kind of bores. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a big, big tall lefty guy like, guy like Will Smith. I mean, it, it doesn't matter which one you have to on the eighth and which one you have to on the ninth. That's a pretty tough matchup. And then when you have a guy like Shane Green going at some point in time in there, Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, a that's a pretty good that's a pretty good seven eight nine. And then on on top of that, when you have a guy like Newcomb who can who can kind of you can potentially throw in there a guy like Luke Jackson who did close for us. Um, even a guy like uh, oh man, AJ Nessler. Yeah, uh, that's a guy that know, I'm hoping will be able to regain his form. Yeah, he closed for us um, last year, and two years ago, he was um, he ended the season as our closer and did a phenomenal job. Um, he was looking yeah. like the closer of the future before he got into that car wreck, which kind of threw off his season last year. So hopefully he will be able to bounce back and having a clean spring and being able to showcase his talents. I mean, this is a bullpen that I would not want to face in any way. I'm, I'm with you. And then you, you, you throw a guy in there like Darren O'Day and he's kind of he's coming from that really hard arm slot. Um, and, you know, you, you ask that. Uh, I mean, it, he makes for a very uncomfortable at that. Mm-hmm. And so when you can when you can throw him in there, you know, I don't know, every, every third day against the, against the writing or, you know, um, and just kind of have him, have him throw in that submarine, whatever you want to call the arm slot. I mean, that's, Yeah, so like even if they do carry that eighth, it's like how much is that actually going to matter? Um, you know, how much run are they actually going to get? Is it worth it to carry an extra arm, or is it better to have that bat and have a multitude of options to be able to be strong later in the game when you need those tough at bats? And you have a lot of people that can give you tough at bats later in the game that could be coming off the bench. And, yeah, and when I think about a complete team, they're looking like a complete team if their rotation, I think that's the big part, if their rotation can, you know, get somebody that can, can throw innings, um, you know, get at least five or six um, without having to worry about should we take them out in the fourth. And, I mean, it, it's this is looking like a very complete team. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see whether or not, I mean, kind of like we were talking, I mean, do they, do they go 13, 13 arms, you know, five, five starters, mm-hmm. and, a, and a couple guys who you can plug in there in a, in a pinch on a, on a sixth day? Mm-hmm. Um, do they go five starters, they pull bullpen arms, uh, and then, you know, 13, 13 bats? Or do they, do they try to go, you know, 12 arms? Mm-hmm. Um, 14 bats, uh, and, and, and I wonder, I wonder if maybe the Braves are signaling a little bit kind of with the, hey, either, either one guy, either Austin Riley or Johan Camargo is going to make it out of camp. Mm-hmm. Or if they're signaling that they're going, you know, 
13 arms, 13 bats, or maybe even trying to carry another home, the 14th guy. But I don't think you can. I I think um I think um they limit the number of arms to thirteen. There you go. There you yeah. go. I'm glad you know. complete is this team going to be we'll find out next when we give you our 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 regular season projections where do we think the Braves are going to end up you've been listening to the slip with Brandon Baird guest host Ennis Coble you're listening to the slip with Brandon Baird welcome back to the slip I'm the host Brandon Baird you can follow me on twitter at bearding underscore slip it's time to get into our Braves projections with guest host Ennis Coble. Ennis, do you see the Braves winning the NL East? Uh, yeah, I uh, I do. I mean, I, I think as, as far as far as teams go, coming off the East, I mean, what are our biggest competitions this year? Probably the Phillies. Mm, I'd say uh, so. I mean, yeah. I mean, just kind of, just kind of with the with the arms they they have, uh, and with the uh, with the bats they have. I mean, I, I, I can see the Phillies kind of giving us the, the most trouble, which which honestly I think might be the best thing. I mean, you think back to the the '08 Ogantos where you had Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, those guys, mm. uh, Jimmy Rollins. I mean, that like those those teams with. I mean, the, the Braves were a little were a little down there, but. I think that was some of the best baseball we saw in the in the NL East yeah. when you had they had the, the really good Braves uh, Braves Philly rivalry. Yeah, they um, that was a really really good team, um, yeah. and they were good for for quite an extended time. Yeah, I mean no, they, they they had a they good were, six I, seven year run. I mean, yeah, and I I mean I see so. I mean, you never know, right? Like the, I, I don't, I, I do not think that the that the world champs that the uh, that the Nationals got much better this offseason. Um, you know, I, I mean, they they lost went down. Uh, they they signed Strasburg, which was which is good, and, and to that point, I mean, they, they they do still have a pretty strong pitching staff with Corbin, Strasburg, uh, Scherzer. I mean, that that that's a pretty tough three right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just kind of think with what the what the Braves are going to be rolling out there, I uh, I I see them coming out of the NL East. I mean, I, I'll go so, so far as to say they're playing against the Dodgers, kind of depending on how the how mm-hmm. the ball comes mm-hmm. out. They're playing against the playing against the Dodgers and the uh, and the NL championship. Yeah. Um, you know, I I have them coming out of the East as well. Um, I think I I don't see them winning a hundred games. I think that there's too many good teams in a division um, for them to win a hundred games. Because um, I mean, there there's some competition there that other divisions do not have. Um, so I have them uh, winning 95 games, losing 67. Um, that's just about where they were last year. I think they won 97 last year, but 95 games 
that's going to get you into the postseason no matter what, um, no matter how good the other teams around you are or how many other good teams in the NL are going to be. Um, I, I definitely see them, um, you know, winning. And it's so interesting. Um, there's so many analysts that always doubt the Braves. They've doubted the Braves for the past two years. Um, but what I don't understand is that for the past two years, the Braves have shown they're good enough to win the division. And, you know, and at this point, it's just like, why don't they see that? Especially with you have people like Acuna and Ozuna and Albies who are just going to get better. You have people like Soroka and Freed who are just going to get better because they're so young that people doubt like that they're going to take another step up and keep progressing to make it such a solid lineup and rotation to where, you know, it's going to be a really tough team to beat um, to, to, to just win a series against. And if these Braves win series like they did last year, which is, I mean, they're, they're just going to be a hard team to take that number one spot from. Um, and I think that if they don't make it to the um, playoffs, it would be a huge disappointment. But I also think it would be a huge disappointment if they don't at least compete in the NLCS. Now, I'm not just talking about winning a division series and going to the NLCS. I need them to show that they are a World Series contender. Um, and maybe they do lose in L NLCS. I mean, that can happen in October baseball, but they need to show that they can compete. What do you think would be a disappointment um, this season out of these Braves? Oh, that's a, that's a good question, Dave. I mean, I, I have them as a, as a 90 plus win team, uh, even, even coming out the East, which I think, I think is going to, going to be pretty good. Um, but I, I have them as a 90 plus win team. I, I, I think if they, if they don't make the playoffs, even as a long card, I think that's, that's disappointing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I think this team should easily, easily at least do what they did last year. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, hopefully not against the Cardinals the way that happened. I mean, that that was that was tough, but they should uh, they should at least be in it. This is this, I, th- I think this team is, is is too good. They have too much young talent, um, and they were, and they were able to get there last year. I, mean, I, I think Snickers does a good job. Like, mm-hmm. You know, I I think any, anything less than postseason is a is, is a disappointment. What do you? Would there be any if they lose in a division in, uh, divisional uh, round again this year? How would you feel about that? Uh, d- depends on the way that they lose. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the way we lost to the Cards, that that was kind of that was kind of tough. Um, but I, I, I just want to see. I mean, you want to see consistency. You want to see fight. I think they showed a ton of fight up until that that fifth game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of. I mean, Literally, literally, the ball just didn't bounce their way a couple of times. Things kind of compounded, and mm-hmm. next thing you know, it was what nine two runs in an inning. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I, I mean, it, that, that's what I would say. Uh, of course, I mean, I, I think this team should should make it all the way to the to the uh, NLCS. They should. They, mm-hmm. they should. This team is, is good enough to do it. 
Yeah. I think so. Right. Yeah. All right. Those are projections. When we come back, we'll give you our final thoughts. This is The Slip with Brandon Baird, guest host in Gold. This is The Slip with Brandon Baird. Welcome back to The Slip. I'm the host, Brandon Baird. I got guest host Ennis with me. Um, we wanted to wrap up this show. I mean, it's been such an interesting story to me. And so what I have for the final thoughts is, of course, is Astro's stealing sign scandal. Um, do you think the scandal is good for baseball? I, I can't say I can't say it's good for baseball. I mean, it, it, it's not just the the media attention that it's been getting. Uh, just kind of the there's a ton of negative press coverage. People are saying it's, it's the worst since the Black Sox scandal. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's 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 pretty bad, right? Yeah. All in all, and I know we were we were kind of talking about this. I mean, cheating. I'll put it this way: stealing signs in and of itself isn't cheating. I mean, there's there, there's some sign stealing that's that's sanctioned by the uh, that's sanctioned by the game, right? Like if you if you have a guy at second base mm-hmm. and he just happens to be perceptive enough to pick up the signs. And they're able to find a way to kind of relay them into the hitter. I mean, I, I think that that kind of sign stealing is sanctioned. I think the reason that we don't like this is because you know there, there was an algorithm, the code, code breaker, that you know the, the Excel spreadsheet that they were plugging the signs into, spitting out what the pitch was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's kind of why we we don't like this. And you know whether or not there was a buzzer or. <laughs> something on, you know, something on the, the chest under the jersey. I mean, there, there, there's just there's so much that's unknown. But you know, I, I, I truly, I truly think, you know, I think Manfred did at least at the beginning. It seemed to me like he, he did the best he could with it. Right. I mean, he he basically tells everybody he goes, "Look, I'm going to grant the players immunity, full immunity." Uh, because he, he wants to kind of do some fact-finding. He wants to figure out what's going on. And I, I don't think there's anything anything wrong with that. Um, he figures it out. He kind of meets out the punishment. Uh, and, and then we have kind of the uh, the whole call to take back the, the World Series trophy, which then Manfred calls the trophy, what, a, a, a piece of metal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that's I think that's kind of where that that's where people play, players and I, I think fans like I think that's where people don't like what's what's going on, yeah. right? And I, and I'm not saying I I I, I, w- I want to be clear I I did not condone what what the Astros did. Right. I, I don't I I don't think that they did it the right way. Banging on the trash can is kind of ridiculous. I think that is bad for baseball. But, but I do think that there's some level, I mean, it's, it's a thinking man sport. I think there's some level of perceptibility, or, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, I don't know what the difference is between, you know, being able to tell when a, when a pitcher is hitting. Like, I, there's no difference to me between being able to tell when a, when a pitcher is hitting. And if the runner on second base happens to, to figure out the signs. 
Yeah. There's no difference between that. I think that's fine. It's, it's the technology here that we don't like. Yeah, I think the biggest frustration about this whole thing was just the elaborate schemes that come on to these things. Um, you know, like, I don't know why a buzzer was thrown out there, but, you know, these things don't just come out of nowhere. Just like, wow, what if they actually did use a buzzer? What happens if they did go that far? And you see, they did go as far as to use the videos and have have TVs in the dugout and things like things like that. Which it's it's just it's just so outrageous. And I think the outrageous aspects of this make it what it really is. And with the players speaking out about this, this is something that players usually don't do. And there's so many murky waters about this. You know, you get people like um, David Ortiz saying that Mike Fires is a snitch. and But then you get other players that are happy that he came forward. And people are getting death threats now. That's just fans going way too far. They have to realize this is baseball. Um, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but just like there's so much absurdity and like you said earlier, it just continued with the commissioner, which is just like, goodness gracious. He, he was in a losing battle, but wow, I didn't think he was going to lose it that bad. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I just don't, I don't think the league handled the PR the, the best. I, I, I don't think they did. And, you know, I, I've been thinking about things that maybe Major League Baseball can can do moving forward to make it... I mean, I, I'm not sure if this was... If this happened because, you know, there, there was a lack of clarity into the process mm-hmm. or, or, or what it was, but you know, I, I wonder if somebody somewhere has a track record of all of the scandals, quote unquote, scandals in, in Major League Baseball, the punishments and the and the media response, the, the, the public response to it. Mm-hmm. Because I think and, and and I'm not saying the commissioner or the league in general should do everything in order to to, you know, minimize the public hatred or public response. I mean they should they should do what they believe is, is right, given given the facts and given the rules. But you know, I I, I wonder if it helps to helps for decision making purposes if you at least have a catalog of what past commissioners have done. Mm-hmm. What the scandal is, what past commissioners have done and then what the response was that. Uh, just to kind of see, you know, how close this new scandal is to, to an old one, what was done there, you know, what players blacklisted. Did you did you take away rings? You know, are there actually mm-hmm. any, any number of things just so that you can be a little more open about the process, you know, and and kind of give maybe give the public a little bit more. But honestly, up, up until the uh, up until the, the World Series trophy comment, I, it, it seemed to me like Manfred and, and the league did a pretty good job trying to trying to shape the narrative. Mm-hmm. And I do think up to that point, they did what they could, um, yeah. especially what was um, bargained in the collective bargain agreement um, in terms of the punishment for things like that, which you can't get punished for things if you don't know that it's wrong. Um, but it's it's so wild. I think I heard the other day that 
they were saying that this is worse than steroids. And, you know, I think, though, you, it's interesting that you brought up the media aspect about that because um, you look at the media's complacency um, with steroids and them knowing steroids throughout that time and baseball booming from that, the commissioner knowing that it was, the, you know, the biggest open secret um, that I feel like the cheating in this situation um, was most definitely framed or the punishments in this situation was definitely framed um, from how the media and people responded back when the steroid scandal actually came out to the light. And, yeah. and so within that, it's, it's, it's so interesting to see on um, how they actually handled this. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it's, it's, this to me doesn't, doesn't feel as, as bad as the, the steroids. And, and I, I, I don't think I can, I thought enough about it to, to kind of tell you why. It's just kind of a, a, gut, a gut feeling I have. This does not feel like that. I mean, it's their word, but I mean, there's something about, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, the, there's what the, the public integrity or the integrity of the game, but you just, but you want to make sure that, that there's not something out there that degrades the integrity of the game. Mm-hmm. And that's what, I mean, the commissioner, I, I think in the CBA still has, like pretty broad ability to do whatever is in his power to, to make sure that he maintains, you know, public trust and, and, and the game's integrity. Um, mm-hmm. Because that, that's that's part of sport, right? Like we, yeah. we love sport because we think it's, it's two teams that are, you know, somewhat level, the two teams that are out there competing, and no one team is getting a competitive edge through, you know, through things like steroids or, or a computer algorithm. And, you know, we just, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it, this is, this is weird. I mean, it's not, it, it's just not, it's not good. It's not good for, mm-hmm. it's not good for the game. Um, but, but I do, I do wonder a little bit if, if this is being, I mean, blown a little bit out of, out of proportion. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, like, I, I have to go back to this. Like, I do not think that this is mm. the right thing. I don't think that it's good for baseball at all. Um, but it's, to, to me, it's just not on the, it's not on the same stage as, as the, the steroid scandal or, or anything mm. like that. It, it's bad. And it, it's, it's incredibly bad that you have two teams that have, that have done it, that have been accused of it, who both want World Series. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the most damning part about it, is that it seemed yeah. to have worked. Or at least it has the illusion that it worked. Um, And that's why I think the outrage is so big. But I tell you, man, this has been great. Um, Man, I appreciate all the the things that you have said today. I mean, this this was so much fun. We'll have to get you back on the slip, man. Yeah, I I, I appreciate it, man. I I want to say before before I go, I mean, this is what my my second time being, being on the show and Every time, man, I, I have a great, a great time. I mean, it's just, uh, I think you have very good questions. I think you're, you're, you're very thoughtful. And oh, man, I appreciate you, that. You, 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 you care about it, man. And I, I, I think that's, uh, that's, that's pretty rare. I, I, had, I had a ton of fun, and, and I want to thank you for giving um, me the opportunity. Oh, man, no problem. Um, man, we'll have to do this again. Maybe we could do um, 
some sort of review or a mid-season review or see how things are going because there's still a lot to talk about with these Braves. But this has been yeah. The Slip with Brandon Baird, guest host Ennis Coble. You can follow me on Twitter at Bairdian underscore slip. If you want to reach out and talk to the show, please email at theslipatl at gmail.com. Have questions, have comments, give me suggestions. I'm always open to it. Um, until next week, we'll have some Falcons talk, some Braves talk, some Atlanta United talk, and some Hawks talk. Until next time, y'all take care. This has been a slip with Brandon Bear. Guess host in his coat.